You're listening to the Antos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories and the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Matt. And I'm Vod. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. Snapping has always been the dark side of allomancy. A person's genetic endowment meant may make them a potential allomancer, but in order for the power to manifest, the body must be put through extraordinary trauma. Though Ellen spoke of how terrible his beating was, during our day, unlocking unlocking allomancy in a person was easier than it had once been, for we had the infusion of preservation's power into the human bloodlines via the nuggets granted to the nobility by the Lord Ruler. When preservation set up the mist, he was afraid of Rune escaping his prison. In those early days before the ascension, the mist began to snap people as they did during our time. But this action of the mist was one of the only ways to awaken allomancy in a person, for the genetic attributes were buried too deeply to be brought out by a simple beating. The mist of that day created mistings only. Of course, there were no mistborn until the Lord Ruler made use of the nuggets. The people misinterpreted the mist's intent as the process of snapping alamancers caused some particularly the young and the old to die. This hadn't been preservation's desire, but he had given up most of his consciousness to form Ruin's prison, and the mist had to be left to work as best they could without specific direction. Ruin, subtle as ever, knew that he couldn't stop the mist from doing their work. However, he could do the unexpected and encourage them, and so he helped make them stronger. That brought death to the plants of the world and created the threat that became known as the deepness. Once Vin died, the end came quickly. We were not prepared for it, but even all of the Lord Ruler's planning could not have prepared us for this. How did one prepare for the end of the world itself? Vin was special. Preservation chose her from a very young age, as I mentioned. I believed he was grooming her to take his power. Yet, the mind of preservation was very weak at this point, reduced only to the fragment that we knew as the Miss Spirit. We made him. What made him choose this girl? Was it because she was a Mistborn? Was it because she had snapped so early in life, coming to her powers even as she went through the pains of the unusually difficult labor her mother went through to beat her, or to bear her? Vin was usually, Vin was unusually talented and strong with Alamancy even from the beginning. I believe that she must have drawn some of the mist into her when she was still a child. In those brief times, she, when she wasn't wearing the earring, preservation had mostly gotten her to stop wearing it by the time Kelsey recruited her, though she put it back in for a moment before joining the crew. Then she'd left it there at his suggestion. Nobody else could draw upon the mist, I've determined this. Why were they open to Vin and not to others? I suspect that she couldn't have taken them all in until after she touched the power at the Well of Ascension. It was always meant, I believe, to be something of an attuning force, something that one touched, something that once touched would adjust a a person's body to be able to accept the mist. Yet, she did make use of a small crumb of preservation's power when she defeated the Lord Ruler, a year before she even began hearing the thumping of the power's return to the well. There is so much more to this mystery. Perhaps I will tease it out eventually as my mind grows more and more accustomed to its expanded nature. Perhaps I will determine why I was able to take the powers for myself. For now, 
I only wish to make a simple acknowledgement of the women who held the power before me. Of all of us who touched it, I feel she was the most worthy. Mm-hmm. When we got mm-hmm. to these chapters, I just listened to them again and again and again. But this was like yeah. a big one. Yeah. Um, it was, like you said, to me, this was the greatest reveal I've ever had in fantasy. I know you say it was the earring for you. Uh, we both agree that this is probably the greatest co- uh, conclusion. At least for now, there might be something better out there, but I haven't read it yet. The greatest conclusion to a fantasy history that I've ever experienced. Um, I used to think about all these different moments and in, in books I had read up to this point and how I was always, most of the time I was satisfied with the ending of books. But I literally didn't sleep the night I finished Mistborn. I like I just kept thinking and thinking and thinking and I remember I was had just restarted up my Audible account and I was like a poor college student and I was like how am I going to come up with $45 or $38 or whatever to get a couple more credits to get the next set of these books because I can't stop. I have to keep going with the Cosmere if if, if People were, I was reading online that people didn't, don't even consider the Mistborn Era 1 to be anywhere near top tier Brandon. But a lot of people agree it's the Stormlight Archives. So this is when it, he really comes into form. And so I was like, man, finishing this point, I don't know. How do you top this? And in my opinion, maybe it is a little bit of nostalgia because this is the first time I, I, I experienced something this great, like this great brought, uh, brought together this well. But like, I don't think it has been, it's been topped. You know, uh, at least for me, it isn't. It's one of those things that so funny thing when I I talked about how when I first read uh, Hero of Ages, it's like I forgot that the first epigraph said, I am unfortunately the hero of ages. Um, OK, and I tr- <laughs> yeah, we're going to we'll get to that. Yeah. And I tried to not point out that like the third epigraph ended with, I think, just the way Sazed says it. We'll we'll get to that in a second. Let's let's jump into the chapters if that's the case, because um, we're we're gonna get to that. This cr- yeah okay. So chapter eighty one, we get Vin's point of view, and she sees the hundred thousands of Kolos approaching, and she feels like she has to do something. There's no way that 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 Ellen's small group. I think he says he had like a thousand soldiers, maybe at this place. I think it is going to be able to Yeah, like a thousand soldiers and three hundred of them were the ones that he had sent to two hundred and eighty. Two hundred and eighty mm-hmm. were the misfallen. So she throws herself at Ruin and attacks him. But their powers are so even it repels her. And it's like you mentioned a little earlier, it was incredibly painful for her to do this. We get Ellen's point of view. Sesa tells him that Ruin wants his body, but they can't give it to her. Right, Ruin wants the ATM. But Ellen's like, well, we're, we're dead. And Caesar's like, no, have hope. Vin is the hero of ages. She's still out there. She's going to come save us. Demu reports back to Ellen and reports that none of the misfallen are Alamancers. None of them reacted to any of the medals they were given. And Ellen's like, gosh, this keeps just getting worse and worse. I don't have Alamancers. I can't save the people, you know. Oh, what's. And then he starts to think. 
Demu's group was the most sick out of any of the misfallen. 280 men, one-sixteenth of those who fell sick. Sick for 16 days, the longest they were sick. And there's one out of 16 elementic metals, and they're standing on it. Elend has an army of ATM mistings, the same as Yeoman. So we get Vin's point of view. And she's still trying to fight with Rune and attacking him. Uh, as the Blood Frenzy Coloss are, 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 are attacking the caverns at this point. And she hears Ellen's voice. And Ellen's giving a speech. And he's basically saying, you know, I'm going to lead us to our deaths. We are all going to die. But before we die, before they kill us, or what's he say? They will kill us, but first they will fear us. Every moment that you fight is another moment the people in this cavern get to live and draw breath. You know, all I ask is that you give me everything, essentially. And he runs out leading the charge against the Coloss. And Vin mentions how he suddenly bursts into a bright light. A light that basically blinds her. And we jump immediately to Ellen's point of view. And he goes, I am a god. As he's burning ATM. And we get to see a natural Alamancer, an original Alamancer with the power of ATM as he wades into the, the into the Coloss army and just starts tearing them apart. We get Vin's point of view again, and Ruin is as angry as he's ever been, desperately trying to stop them, stop Elend, and stop these other ATM mistings as they're fighting. And Vin gets to be the smug little smug little street urchins because as Ruin is trying to kill them Vin keeps blocking him so she mentions she goes you don't realize it Ruin but you're going to lose because you cannot understand love you cannot understand people who oppose Ruin uh, to protect others and we jump over to Sazed's point of view and he's sitting there and he just like believes Vin's going to come. He's looking for her. People are asking, where's the hero of ages? Where's the hero of ages? And says like, she will be here. Not knowing that, well, she already is. We jump back to Ellen's point of view. And we realize now that Ellen's army has been fighting for several hours. Because the sun is beginning to come up. And this is when we start to notice that the trees are starting to catch on fire and things like that. And... But they're, run- they're running out of ATM because he's starting to notice that up to this point, 280 men had already slain several thousand Coloss by themselves, uh, being the ATM Mystics. But he's starting to recognize that the ATM Mystics are dying. So they're out of ATM at this point. And you have to remember how quickly ATM burns up. Seconds. And so there was enough ATM in the trust for a army of 281 soldiers to fight for four, three, four hours. Mm-hmm. Straight burning ATM. Not, there's not a moment they weren't burning it. So that, that just tells, tells you how freaking big the trust was of ATM. But Marsh arrives. And he's ready to fight Ellen. And we jump again to human's point of view. We get a human point of view. Human the Coloss. As 
he's running through rune is strong is the strongest influence he has and rune wants the atm and they had broken into a different part of the caverns and they're running past all the people they could be killing and instead running towards the trust we jump back to alan's point of view again and march has atm the same way and march explains ah it's because that idiot compar sent out a, a a runner with atm and i intercepted him so here's march another lord ruler with atm now which up to this point they had no atm because ruin like ruin's body was hidden right so we get to see an inquisitor uh at the level of the lord ruler burning atm now trying to fight Ellen. so with ellen's point of view his pewter's out. He's out of everything, essentially. Even his ATM's running out. It's not gone completely yet, but his ATM's running out. And yet he has power. He's like, I don't have any medals. I know that. I'm out. What's going on? And he looks up, and he sees an image of Vin coming from the sky, laying her hand on him. And Vin is giving him the power of the mist. A very small portion, but she's giving him that portion altogether. And with Marsh lunging out and rushing towards him, Ellen does a Duralumin burn of literally everything, including the ATM. And he goes, I see now. And we come back, and he had lunged his sword through Marsh's throat, but Marsh had hit him in the chest with his axe. And it doesn't matter for Marsh. He's a, he's a Lord Ruler. He has Verokimi. He stored health. And Marsh shrugs off the blow to his, le- his neck like it's nothing. And Ellen falls on his back, dying. Marsh picks Ellen up right before he's about to die and tells him, you've lost, you're out of ATM, everyone's dead, you've failed. And Ellen laughs saying, no, I didn't. How do you think we fought for several hours? We burned up all of Rune's body. It's gone. We've won. And if we know about how the pits work, the pits are broken and they're not going to fix themselves for several hundred years, which means none of the ATM is going to come back for, gosh, how long? We don't even know how long it takes to grow ATM. Can we assume maybe another thousand years? Which means Ruin has lost because he's going to be perfectly matched with Vin for at least the next thousand years. He's not going to be able to take up his power. And something that I thought about a lot in this moment on my second read-through was, can the world even be destroyed now? Right? Can the world even be destroyed? Because if the world's destroyed, are the pits destroyed? Does that mean Ruin has purposely, forever loses that power? Where does it go? So in that moment, Ellen's smiling because they had won. And we jump to Vin's point of view. And we get to watch from Vin's point of view as Marsh decapitates Ellen. And he dies. So, with Ellen dead, Ruin is, like, talking mad. Mad. (laughs) Madness over here. Like, I killed him. I'm going to kill everyone because he's so angry. And Vin's like, you know what? You screwed up. Because uh, she accepts Ellen died. She even mentioned, she goes, I accepted he was going to die in the Well of Ascension. Or at the Well of Ascension. And so these years have just been an extension for me. A blessing. And you made a mistake because you took the only thing in this world that I had to live for. And with that, she lunges into ruin and ignores the pain. And I think the way it was written is perfect. It's not the exact wording, but she said it's like with a final push, then pulled 
ruin into the abyss with her, and the two consciousness disappeared like a puff of mist in the sun. That's the end of chapter 81. Chapter 82. We get Satan's point of view. The world's ending, just like the epigraph said, and the world's ending way faster now, as Vin and Ruin are dead. Demu still lives just barely, having crawled his way back to, to Sazed. The sun's up, everything's on fire, essentially. And he still believed Vin would come, the hero was going to come. And he, then he saw two figures fall from the sky, right next to Ellen's body. And he rushes over there, and he sees a man with red hair lying dead. Ruin. And he sees Vin's dead body. And the hero's dead. And says it at this point goes, well, I guess fate sucks. Until he sees that both bodies are leaking off this energy. And he puts his hand into the, the energy that, that, that Vin's leaking off. And he realizes that that is Ruin's dead body. That's Vin's dead body. And in front of him are the powers of preservation and Ruin. And then he remembers the prophecies. The prophecies referred to a gender-neutral a gender neutral hero. Why? Because maybe the person who was the hero would be neither. What was Sazen? A eunuch. The hero would be rejected by his people, yet he would save them. Sazen, as a keeper, was rejected. Not a warrior, yet he would fight. Not born a king, Yet he would become one anyway. And as we remember, Elend, before he left, said, If I were to die, Sazed is the next in line. So with Elend's death, Sazed became an emperor. He also it was the king of the terrorist people. The king, king of the terrorist people. He did not have the training. He realizes that the prophecies were talking about him, but he didn't have the training. And he, he even says, he goes, why would you choose me? Why would you do anything with me? Because I'm just going to do what Rashik did. I'm going to ruin everything because I'm not going, I'm just going to make it worse. We forgot the big then part. He, no, I'm getting to it. That's when he looks up at his arms and he remembers the final piece of the prophecy. They say, I will hold the future of the entire world on my arms. Not on his shoulders, not in his hands, on his arms. And he sees the bracers and the collected knowledge of all the keepers, and basically the collected knowledge of the world on his arms. The, the hero will have the power to save the world, but also destroy it. And with that, he grabs both of the powers and pulls them into himself. As he does, he purposely says he dumps all all of the knowledge that he had stored in the bracers into the powers as well. And when he pulls them together, he realizes that as opposition with two different consciousnesses, they would have to fight each other and destroy each other. But guided by one consciousness, the powers when brought together would create things. He believe, he realizes that men believed and worshipped their entire existence. Religions have existed since the beginning of the creation of this world. And preservation had hidden clues in each religion to, to, to help the help in the creation of the world, essentially. And Sazed now knew them all. He referred back to the Bennett, 
which were which was this religion that Kelsier he had preached to Kelsier before. They were avid map makers. That was their solemn duty was to create accurate maps. He used these maps to literally reshape the world as it was before Rashik, Rashik's intervention. The Nalzan worshipped a god named Trell. They looked up to the sky, his many eyes, the stars across. And because of this, their star maps were created perfectly, which allowed Seiza to put the world back into the correct spot of orbit, the perfect distance away from the sun, where it was originally set. He talked, he talked about the religion, the Kenzi, who they believed in studying the body after death, that they so accurately measured the body that he was able to recognize the changes that Rashik had to make in order for the, bot- for the, the humans to survive on this new planet. And he was able to reverse them and rebuild them to a perfect, because he basically had a blueprint of the way they were designed before and had the understanding from the powers and the expanded mind to do it. He talked about the, I think, I think it was something along the lines of like the Degrati or something like that. It was what clubs, the, 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 the religion he preached to clubs before the, the siege in which they, they believed in creating these perfect works of art. And with that, he was able to return the color properly to the world, the skies, the blues, the greens of the grass. He was able to return everything to look the same it was before. He used, these, uh, he used other religions to fix the plant life and creatures. And he used the Latrasium, I think is what it was called, basically the, the religion that Mare believed in, the, 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 that, that studied the flowers and beauty of the world. And then he returned the flowers to the world. And that that nod to Kelsier essentially in creating the, making the world go back to the way it was. All the religions held the truth and he kept the, the he moved as he reshaped the world. He kept the caverns that the Lord ruler used that had created to keep the people safe. And Sazed now understood what it meant to be. He was the hero of ages. And what that meant was not a hero that comes once an age or came from certain ages. He was the hero that was meant to span the entirety of the ages. He was the world's new god. And that's the end of 82. The epilogue here, we just get a kind of a wrap-up of the story. Vin was chosen as she was the most worthy. We get Spook's point of view, and he's awoken from his dream. He's been completely healed, and him and Breeze go up out of the cavern and see the world full of green green grass. We get an explanation of the world that's very similar to ours now. Not perfect, but very similar. The world's fixed. There are people outside as Sazed has brought together all the caverns into one location. And so as everyone starts to climb out, Spook and Breeze see Ham. Ham's reunited with his family. We get the whole reunion at the end, essentially. You know, we get the Demu too from the caverns. Everything was brought together. Spook finds the flowers and goes, oh, these are, these are what Mare talked about. And he finds that Ellen and Vin both there, both dead, and next to them a large leather tome. And the first line of the of the tome is, "I am unfortunately the hero of ages," and we get the we get the recognition now that the epigraphs from the beginning of this book were the the words that Sazed left behind after his ascension. So, say he mentions that Sazed could not bring Vin and Ellen back, but he talked to them, and they were happy. He mentions how the world was mostly rebuilt and, and the world needs to be rebuilt and he leaves all the knowledge that the keepers gathered as a way for them to start rebuilding. Sayset also made Spook a Mistborn 
And he specifically points out that he had talked to Kelsier and Kelsier requested this, that Spook be made a Mistborn. And in his last little bit, he mentions that there are still two medals that nobody knows about, and he encourages Spook to go explore them, explore and find them. And it ends with Spook saying, you know what? Everything's going to be all right. That's the end. It's, uh, it's good. <laughs> and it was good. And it was good. Yeah, so I was talking about earlier about how when we talked about all the other uh, epigraphs, um, they all came from the same place. You know, the first one was a Lindy's journal. The second one um, was discussing what was the second one? Quan Quan's Quan's writings and metal. And the third one was the Hero of Ages. And I remember telling you how I was like, you know, it's weird that Sazed suddenly started talking. You know, in these things, because it's funny because we listened to Michael Kramer and in the audiobook, you could tell that he was using Sazed's voice during the epigraphs. But also, I was like, this sounds a lot like things that Sazed would say. Like I he's think, just I documenting things again. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, um, I guess Sazed's talking now and just kind of going over and telling things. I where who's the hero of ages? Then I guess you know why would men talk this way? I am the hero of ages. And you're right. Like, you know, I say the biggest reveal in fantasy was the earring because it's dangled in front of us all the for for three books. That's the only reason I say it's like the biggest reveal because obviously Sazed was built up over the last two books to be um, the person who would be the most qualified, the had the best story um, to take up <laughs> the powers of ruin and preservation. And bring yeah. them together in a way that made sense. Um, I just can't get over the fact that, you know, go check, go read through the Terrace Prophecies in the first book again. Just literally the first epigraph. They say I will have the, well, it was the it. power to save. He will have the power to save the world and the power to destroy it. And they say I will hold the future of the entire world on my arms. And we talked about that in the first spoiler episode about how it was said right there in front of you, you know, the whole time and just completely missed it. And it's, again, it, every part of Hero of Ages has said it's right there in front of you. It's told exactly the way it works. Everything is, is it, nothing is really, really hidden from you. But it's all revealed the same, you know, and then when it's all said and done. Um, and it's funny that because we talked about, I, I remember mentioning in Well of Ascension that Sazed in the first book is like a small time character. He only really speaks a couple times. He has a couple of big moments, but he's 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 an incredible supporting character. But right? that's it. And then yeah, he's, yeah, that's well right. of Ascension, he gets his own like point of view and you get to see him develop. And then obviously Hero of Ages, you see that. And it's funny because Brandon, when he talked about first writing Hero of Ages, he said that people in the first, when he first was writing it, said that Sazed's whole thing with the religions was very boring. And he said he ended up rewriting it in such a way that it ended up being some of uh, people's favorite parts. And it makes sense because the thing is, 
I can admit that when I first was reading it, I was like, okay, Sad Boy Saves It is really getting me down. Um, But it all ended up paying off. It's like, yeah, remember all those things that he would talk about that you just kind of blew off? Oh, yeah, here's this religion. They talk about animals. And then in the end, it's like, yeah, that one actually taught him how to make the proper, have the proper animals available, you know, Mm -hmm. in the ecosystem. Oh, here's this religion. They're... Their whole thing was mapping the world was like their great duty, you know? Oh, that sounds really dumb. Oh, actually, it helped me remake the world in the way it was supposed to be. It's like everything came to a head. All the details of the whole story, every piece of it, like, came came back, you know? It, every, every promise that was made was fulfilled but you didn't even know that it was a promise like it was just like oh why does he keep throwing out these like things it's like okay that's a quirky little piece of world building you got there mr sanderson and it's like nope actually it's an integral part of the whole conclusion to this story and again imagine where we started we started with this guy who basically kind of wanted to overthrow you know an empire and it ends with a new God is created and the whole world is fixed. We went to the, how we've talked about in our first episodes, how every time you imagine this world, it's very depressing. The sky is red. It's falling ash everywhere. It's constantly like a twilight, you know, doomscape. And then it I ends. Like to, I like to think of a very noir kind of vibe. Yeah. The, the, the fog and the nighttime. And it ends with like, the idyllic Shire Middle Earth, essentially. And it all comes down to like these little details that you didn't realize that were going on. That um, one thing you forgot to mention was uh, Spook becomes Mistborn and says it says it was Kelsier's suggestion. No, I didn't. I, I said it. Oh, okay. Said okay. It. Fair enough. Maybe I missed it. But yeah, it was Kelsier's suggestion. He, I, I say he talked to Kelsier, right? He talked to Vin and Ellen. That's what Sazed claims. He talked to them. And the thing is, is um, Sazed being this scholarly, knowledgeable person, he's not Vin, even though Vin was very clever. Imagine mm-hmm. Sazed with not j- all the knowledge of the Keepers and the expanded mind that Vin had and mm-hmm. no one opposing him was able to do all these things, you know, immediately with all the power. And now he's like, the perfect setup to be, you know, the next like God of the world. And the thing is, is every like piece kind of set up. Like, for example, we learn about mistings from the very first book that there are mistings that some of people can burn the first metal. And then we go, okay, I guess it exists um, that uh, there should be ATM mistings. And we learned that ATM missings exist, and we don't. It doesn't even like occur to us that hmm, where are the ATM missings in the army? Yeah, so we're gonna need to talk about that for a second. I think like we're gonna keep that note down a little bit. Come back and check out the timeline spoiler episode because around that idea, Brandon actually had a revision. Uh, kind of talking because it makes it has to make the Cosmere make sense in the future. We're not going to say it in this one. We'll say it in the timeline spoiler what his revision is because it requires diving a little bit farther into the Cosmere. Fair enough. So we'll get to that. I know, I know what you're talking about, but fair enough. Um, 
but I mean, again, we we the first two chapters we learn about the Chandra having an unaliving clause in their contract. Yeah, and then it's mm-hmm. never mentioned again, and it's brought up here. Oh yeah, obviously, you know there should be something like that in place. That makes sense. Um, and the big thing, a good another like artistic poetic thing is you have the avatar or champion of preservation and Ellen dressed in white with Ven mm-hmm. guiding him. And the avatar of, you know, Ruin and Marsh dressed in black, you know, and covered in mm-hmm. spikes, you know, uh, to fight th- the final battle, essentially. Um, yep. But it was like, listen to these chapters again and again. I get all misty eyed, you know, when it's all said. Dude, and my done. voice, I kept my voice kept breaking when I was talking about it. And I was like trying to hide it. It was bad. Actually, that's why I had a hard time uh, talking right after you were done, because it was just like, yeah. Dad, like, yeah, I, I kept, I just keep going over it again and again. It's just such a great wrap up of everything. I mean, I, re- I remember, like, again, it was done so well that I remember when I read that Ellen died, and I went, "What a way to go out!" Like, I was sad, but, but like, it, w- it was so well done. It's not like these other times where I've read other books. And other things where like the main character dies and I'm just or one of the main characters die and I'm broken for a little while. Like I just remember going out going like you went out, man. Way to go. Like that was awesome. Well, the same thing with Ven, right? Because like yep, same thing. I mean, Ven being like, you know what, you you done goofed because I have nothing to lose now and this is yeah. how I'm gonna kill you. And it, it was it. Like it was like that's the only way to kill Ruin um was to you know, collide the powers and they just cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ruin just never expected one. He never expected that anyone holding preservation's power would be able to fight him. But yeah, she well, wasn't straight up. You know, she straight up said that she goes, Ruin, you thought you were pulling all the strings, but you weren't. This was preservation's plan all along. Preservation knew he couldn't destroy you. He would need something of both of us in order to fight you something that would be willing to ruin to protect and that's me which kind of right. made me kind of surprised that ruin was not the one that thought i'm gonna kamikaze you know i i mean it makes sense but it's like okay i'm gonna ruin so hard that i'm gonna ruin myself um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but it's again like we're just getting a taste of the cosmere and the understanding of like how it works um we talked about in the beginning, you know, what the Cosmere is, and this kind of gives you the pieces of it. And you, we again, we started off with here's a little heist to steal, like, you know, a treasure. And oh, actually, we killed multiple gods and uh, created a new one, and everyone lived we, happily yeah. ever after. We killed, we killed a god. Oh, no, wait, that was just a super powered human being. Now we killed gods. <laughs> yes. that, that, and, and that's the thing. And it's like, oh, yeah. Also, there were like multiple superpowered human beings that uh, we also top, toppled. And they were like nothing now. Um, well, I mean, not like nothing, but like still. It was like now we now we understand the concepts here. It's like, uh, okay. But I mean, everything gets wrapped up. You know, everything just starts like coming in. And... Era 2 does even more, like, rapping because there's parts of this that kind of aren't. 
I was going to say, like, at at this point, you know, he left a couple of secrets. I think he did it perfectly, right? Like, he left some little tidbits for us to be interested about. But I didn't feel like, here's the thing. I love the ending to this trilogy because it's like you said, he left secrets. There's two more medals out there. When we get to Arrow 2, we're going to start learning about those. But here's the thing. I felt content. Yeah. Like, it was so weird to hear there are two more medals out there. And I remember finishing this and going, if I never knew what those medals were, I wouldn't care. Yeah. I've, like, it's a, ni- it's a nice little tidbit to lead us up into the next section, but I feel content with this ending. That's the thing is, like, I honestly, like, even now, like, as I, I you know, knowing what leads, what is ahead, I, like, I just keep, kept rereading or kept re-listening to the final chapters of Hero of Ages again and again, just mm-hmm. trying to, like, re- and the thing is, is it still hits hard. Like yeah, it, it does. It, it's still like every time I reread it, like if you, you know, are upset or anything like that with the with the fact that it's over, one, it's not. But two, um, just keep rereading the last like five to ten chapters and it just it hits hard again and again go, go and re- again. Go reread the whole thing. Go reread the whole that's thing. What, that's what we that's what we just did and it was it was just as good for different reasons. It really was. I, I, I like. I remember when we were in, in Final Empire, and I was just like, "Yeah, I, I know that we were only supposed to go over these chapters, but I already went uh, like twenty chapters yeah. ahead. Like yeah, I already yeah. jumped ahead because I couldn't. It was just too exciting. I had to go. You, you, back. you were talking to me before before we started recording today, saying like, "All right, so I've already started jumping into our next set of books. You know, I think this is what we should be doing." And it's like, and you can hear me like almost like, "Oh crap, we haven't we haven't talked about that yet." Like I forgot because yeah. I I went yeah. ahead and reread it. Um, I still can't get over. I like again. I love like Caesar's my favorite character. Um. You know, I was super overly biased with him in the first book, you know, kind of like a nudge, nudge. This character's got stuff coming up sort of feel. But at the same time, like everything about Sazed, I love his character in every single way, like every way. Um, the, the part of the prophecy that hits me the most, again, because it all comes down to my favorite moment is him holding the gates and always that part of prophecy that just hits me like a truck. And it hit me like a truck the first time I read it too in in, in, in uh, the Final Empire, but I couldn't say anything about it. Was he's not a war the hero's not a warrior, yet he would fight, and like just the it's just every single time like there's a mo- there's more moments I want to talk about. I can't even say what they are. I hope I think you might be thinking of them too. But there's no more moments because it's outside the scope of this discussion mm-hmm. with stuff. But like. Sazed as a character. I don't know. I'm I'm overly biased, but like kind of saying like the favorite parts and everything. I, I can't find a, f- a problem, a flaw with the way his character's written. So I can't. Funny thing, if I, I, I was saying if I was going to rip on Miss Born, you know, in any way, there are a few characters that are just like they kind of don't go anywhere. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'll say like Breeze, for example, he went through pretty big trauma during well of ascension and i didn't feel that at all in hero of ages like it's like okay yeah i'm leading now but like we don't get that residual Um, it's it's almost like he went through that trauma so there could be someone as a voice of reason for say right some some somewhat and that and then 
has her character change a bit, but I can still see like shadows of Vin. Like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say like she had a poor character development or anything like that. I'm just saying that I I can see where she wound up where she's at, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Sazed was this particular guy in Final Empire. He complained he became a completely different person and was very, very changed dramatic you know, in a huge way by the end of Well of Ascension. Yeah. And all throughout Hero of Ages, he was cha- morphing into who he is now. Who he is now looks so different from where he was. The, this guy was so afraid to be in charge. And now he's accepted that he's not only in charge, he is the new god overlooking this world. And he was all about, you know, and he was this rebellious. The big part, the big part I want to say about that real fast, though, too, is you need to think about that with Satan's character. Anyone else takes up this power. Think of anyone else in the series as a character taking up that sort of power, right? Would any of them do a good job? No. I I, I can't think of anyone who would would. do a better one. Um, Sazed is the only one who could do this job properly on the list of characters we have. Because... He never, it's like, it was that whole idea, you know, we're not going to talk about Game of Thrones, man. <laughs> I can't go into it. He's but got like, the he's best the story. Idea. It's like, it's like, um, that's one meme. I was thinking of a different one. It's just like, he didn't want it. He never wanted it. I don't this. want it. Yeah, I got it. I got yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. He, he, he never wanted this, but it's done properly. It's not done season, <laughs> it's not done season eight Game of Thrones way. No, and, but, <laughs> but, but, but it's done properly. He never wanted it. And he was pushed into this situation. And this idea of him the entire time going through the same thing Quan went through, where he's just like, I've discovered the Hero of Ages, and it turns out that it's been him all along, is so great. Right. And I think that's kind of another little, little, you know, it, it's a poet, it's like poetry, it rhymes. Um, but the thing is, is that. This is another one of those things where this is a constant theme that you and I have talked about in the Cosmere, where the main character is not the main character. Um, okay. Vin is, uh, Vin is the main character here, but who had the he, real growth and setup here? It was Sazed. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Kind of yes. I think this was a, this is not as good of an example as one of our future books. In Elantris, but, we have a, I can see what you mean, a bigger man. example of that where... You think yeah. the main character is this, but honestly, if you read it as the main character was this other person, it's a way better story. Um, you ever you ever watch the movie Passengers? I uh, ooh, that one's with uh, Chris Pratt. Chris right? Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. Man, it's been okay. A while. I, I, there's I'm no sure there's I no did. spoilers here about it, but I'm going to give you a, a thing. So the whole point is that, you know, Chris Pratt is awakened on the ship that's going for like 100 years or whatever, or like several hundred years on a travel. And there he gets woken from cryosleep and he's like, holy crap. And there's no way he can get back in. And so he wakes mm-hmm. up Jennifer Lawrence and is like, yeah, because he, does, he doesn't want to be. Alone. He doesn't want to be alone. And yeah. the thing is, is the movie. I mean, the movie plays out exactly the way you would think it would play out. Right. But. It's actually a boring movie because they messed up the, in my opinion, and in many other opinions, they were like, they show Chris Pratt and he's like stuck. And then he brings Jennifer Lawrence out and it's like a a big thing, right? And then, you know, of Mm -hmm. course she finds out 
in the end, right? That that he did yeah. this and he screwed her over. Um, but they said if you played the movie backwards, where you started off where Jennifer Lawrence is awake and she sees Chris Pratt, then the movie plays hits different to when she re- it gets revealed later that he yeah opened her up, right? And the whole movie would have been better if they had just done that. No, one hundred percent agree. In fact, I thought that was the. Wasn't it based on a book? I thought that was the way. The no, book I don't know if it was based on a book, but I'm just saying, like the entire movie would have been better. You can literally just edit the the whole film to do that, where Backers. it's like, oh, yeah. here she gets revealed, yada yada yada, and then when she mm-hmm. finds out that it's him, it flashes back to Chris Pratt waking up alone, and it would have mm-hmm. just that would have been a way better movie. Um, what yep. was my point with that? Oh, um, it's the same kind of thing. Like we read this on a second read through as. Let's look at this as a lot of Sazed being Sazed's story because we all see it as Vin, mm-hmm. right? Except for Final Empire. The problem is Final Empire throws a wrench when it comes to being Sazed's story. Um, yeah. But if you took out Final Empire, then like this is Sazed's story um, because his story is not over. And, you know, that's like a big point of all this. And when we look at, you know, other comp Cosmere stories, um, I could say the same thing with Warbreaker. That we have one character that looks like the main character, but actually this other one makes more sense. Um, and Elantris, same thing. Uh, yeah, you have you have to look at the you have to look at the characters as in who is the main character voices versus this is just our point of view character, right? Essentially, this is how how we're taking the story in. But I mean, gosh, I just I cannot recommend enough. You know, Era One and. You know, we're excited that we got to this point. You know, it's been somewhere to the realm of like six, seven months since we started this podcast. Um, and we started back in uh, November, November, like late November. And, yeah. you know, going through these books like this way, Mistborn Era 1 was obviously one of the most exciting things I was ever wanted to mm-hmm. go back to because we knew there were all these reveals, all these wrap ups. And when you go back and reread it, which, hey, everyone. I would recommend you do it. Just go re- if you mm. if you don't want to do anything else, just go reread it and see the, the, the details. Forbidden re- the forbidding re- reading order. Go back and reread it, and if you listen to our previous episodes again, and you will hear us point out all these details. We will emphasize, lean into them just a little bit, and you'll hear like all the things. We're we're I know guarantee we're missing them right now. We're missing some of them because we spent this whole time taking notes as we reread them to be like, mm-hmm. hey, here's where they mentioned the earring again. Hey, here's where Reen's voice comes back. Oh, hey, here's, you know, when the prophecy mentions something that's exactly leading into Sazed, you know, like we were in through all of that. Yeah. So, well, all right. Well, we're going to next episode, we're going to do a full Arrow One wrap up. Um, we're going to do a spoiler episode, which we'll do for Cosmere spoilers and talk about all the little details that come up with the Cosmere. And then we're going to have our first timeline episode where we're going to go through a detailed review of what happened throughout all of Era 1. Uh, and we'll lead on to our next project. Hey, everyone. Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.